with Ryan Reese. This is Live with Ryan Reese. Call now, 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. What's up, family? Good to be back on the show this Saturday night. I want to introduce my good friend, uh, Leslie Salazar-Carrillo. Leslie Salazar-Carrillo, she is actually the executive director of the Pregnancy Resource Center in Vista, California. One day, not too long ago, I was driving home in my car, and I heard this lady on the radio, and she was dropping all these statistics, talking about teen pregnancy and this and that, and I was like, who is this girl? I need to have her on my show. So what I did is I uh, contacted one of my friends. I said, can you please find out who was on K-Wave at this hour and find out who it is, and let's get her on the show. And as we dug deep into it, it turns out that it was actually one of my friends that I connected with back in <laughs> 2012 was the last time I seen her. But I think I what did, when did I connect with you for the first time? 2000 when we were at um, Redlands at the packing house. Was that 2009? Yeah, 2009. Yeah. So here I am. We were we were connected with these whosoever friends back then, and I didn't talk to her for five years. And you weren't even doing what you were doing now, so I had no idea. So I find I put your number into my cell phone, and your name came up, and I'm like, I know her, I know her. This is crazy. So I was so stoked the fact that uh, it was you, and now you're doing these amazing things. And then after talking to you, you're, you've been doing amazing things for the past five years or more. And that's why I wanted to bring you on the show. So thank you for coming on the show tonight. Thanks. It's good to be back in Orange County. I'm an OC girl, so it's nice to be back up here. So All right, wait, where were you, where, where at? I uh, went to, I grew up in Anaheim, mm-hmm. and I graduated from Loera High School. Um, we won't say what year. So, <laughs> so it's yeah. Something I, like 1934. Yeah, I'm whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, it's good. It's good to yeah. be, you know, because I'm in North San Diego County now, and so it's good when I come back up here and, um, yeah, it's just it's just strange because you're a very different person. I was a di- very different person then, and so it's it's kind of cool to see the journey that God's taken me on. And so, as far as being amazing, God does amazing things, and I just get to witness it. And that's, you know, it's the Book of Acts. You know, lives changed, hearts softens, hearts soften. So, it's not me being amazing at all. It's just that God allows me to be a part of His plan. So. Why do you uh, so why why do you think that God does that? Like what 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 is it? I mean, what what has it been with you? Just being available, submission. I think all of that. Um, <clears throat> I have a heart for the broken. Um, I have a heart for those that um, the castoffs. You know the the ones that. You know, and because I know you, and you know those that everybody thought we were going to be dead by thirty. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I really have a heart for the ones that are ignored and and are just kind of pushed aside or, you know, there's no hope for them. And so and I think it's just being available. And I think it's um, you know what? It's the Isaiah call, you know, I guess send me, you know, I'm I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So but um, I wouldn't ever want to be. um the the Hezekiah kind of attitude, looking around like, well, as long as I'm okay and my generation's okay, we're good. Because there's a lost and hurting world out there who are dying. Yep. And, and when you say the cast off, it's it's the basically the people that 
don't want um, they don't want um, how can I say it's the church doesn't want to deal with them really. Mm-hmm. It's the, uh, the people that the, the people that come from broken homes. It's the people that come from oh yeah let's let's go ahead and just twist their mic up for a second. Oh <laughs> there we go. Sorry about that. It's the people that uh, the church doesn't want to deal with, and uh, a lot of these people are the um, people that are maybe human trafficked. Uh, the ones that come from broken families, the ones that don't have parents around, it's 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 messy. And grace is messy. The Jesus ministry is very messy, and uh, these are the people that that you're talking about. And then I love the fact that you are going after them because there's not enough people that are going after this group of people. And it seems like when you read the gospel, you think that that's just kind of the Great Commission is to to go out and love the orphans and and to reach the lost at any cost, but. Sometimes in, in church culture or the institution of the church, they just want a clean, safe place to go, and they don't really care about reaching people, and they don't really care about um, really doing ministry and, and care about the lost. I mean, if we believe that people are on the highway to hell, we should have this burning, hunger, hungry desire to reach people. And I, I just got back from the Calvary Chapel Conference, and it's so awesome because that's all they were talking about at this conference. And it's so needed in this time because I truly believe that these are the last days yeah. and that Jesus is coming. And then more than ever before, the technology for the chip, the, the Bitcoin currency, all that stuff, all that stuff exists. These are the last days. This generation is more broken than they've ever been. And you're going to mm-hmm. talk about it yeah. tonight. But these are the last days and we have to live out the Great Commission to reach people. So I want to thank you for doing what you do. And I would like you to tell the listening audience exactly what you are doing and how you even got to, to this point of doing it. Cause I know you have a little testimony. Uh, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so, so I'm the executive director of pregnancy resource center. We are a, uh, uh, pro-life center. We do free pregnancy testing. We do ultrasounds. Um, we offer parenting classes, but that's the practical, but in reality, we're, we're doing the great commission. Um, we're reaching people where they're at, not where we're at. And I think that's sometimes where we get it twisted. Mm-hmm. We want to meet people where we're, we want them where we're at as opposed to coming alongside them where they're at and walking beside them. And so, um, you know, this is the one thing I work in. I, I want to I oh, ask you something. Okay. When you said because that's so amazing, you're saying that. We, you're meeting them where they're at when we want – them to meet us where we're at. Yeah. And if we're not actually, if we're not friends with sinners or going to places where sinners are, what, you? We, they have to come to us? Yeah. Where, in like the church? Yeah. That's not what we're taught in the Bible. Well, and also, <laughs> I mean, think about it. And even you grew up in church. I didn't. Yeah. And, and when you and I were on the phone, like, there were churches in Anaheim? Because I know I wasn't going to step foot in one. Yeah. I mean, I was raised Catholic and kind of that Christmas and Easter Catholic. And that terrified but, you, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Catholicism. But, but I knew for sure they didn't want me in their church. Mm-hmm. And I knew for sure I was not going to go there. So, yeah. And it's totally. So if you were up at the conference, uh, you may have heard Jeff Jackson. Um, he started uh, Shepherd Staff and he is actually on our board. And he has taught me so much about uh, meeting different cultures. So in a center, in the center, we have teen culture, we have homeless culture, we have military culture, we have happy to parent culture, we have culture like abortion is my only option. That's all I can see. And we meet each one of those exactly where we're at. And it's really simple. You treat them with love, dignity, and respect. Because that's how Jesus did it. Because Jesus went to them. He didn't say to them, 
clean up your act and then come talk to me. Mm -hmm. He came and he sat in the dirt with the Samaritan woman. He touched the filthy. Mm -hmm. The only people that he got mad at were the people who should have known better. Mm -hmm. You never saw him get mad at the people who were hurting and broken and lost. And so that's how we need to approach it. And even in the pro-life movement, sometimes we, we want them to be where we're at. We speak a certain language, but they're not there and they don't need to be there. So we need to come and talk to them in their language, meet them where their hurt is. And, and really, it's not, it's not the quick fix. Oh, here, uh, read this, read that. You're good to go. Out the door. Jesus saves, and you talk a bunch of Christian knees to them, and that's like a different language of the culture, and yeah. then that's it. No. And you know what? Answer. I, this is something that I say all the time, and, and we say it. How do you save uh, an unborn child? You love the mom and the dad right where they're at. Mm-hmm. You almost take, I might get a little flack for this, you almost take the baby out of the picture mm-hmm. for a minute. You meet her needs mm-hmm. where she's at, and my heart is to start meeting his needs where he's at. And then you reintroduce that baby back into the picture because now her, she's being heard. She's being valued. It is a value thing. You know, these, sometimes when uh, somebody comes into our center and we're treating them with dignity and respect and love, we're the first people who ever did that. Are we spouting Bible verses? No. No. We're Jesus in the practical. You have a need. We're going to meet that need. And the thing is, is that when somebody's in a crisis, they're in kind of a circular thought pattern. Our job is to slow that thought pattern down because you'll make rash decisions when you're in a circular, anybody Mm -hmm. in a crisis. We slow that down. And let's think about this. We're not going to tell you what you should do or what you shouldn't do. Mm -hmm. We're going to slow your conversation down. And you know what? We're going to hear you. So um, that's kind of what we're doing right now. Um, and then what, again, what, what brought me there is, um, so I've been there for six years. Mm -hmm. Um, I had, I've been the executive director since November. I had the privilege of, um, being under the previous executive director for six years who taught me grace and kindness and, and love. But, um, you know, just coming from a place of brokenness of, um, not knowing where my value and trying to find my value in 101 different places and 101 different uh, scenarios. And, and, and the consequences kept getting uh, larger and um, ended up in a, in a violent situation. And, and then God gave me this child who um, was born with a massive heart defect. And uh, when he was three years old, I hit my knees and cried out to the Lord because I had this child. But the amazing thing about that was is um, in that journey, God showing me, see, I gave you this child so you could know how much I love you. Hmm. But being a single parent, I was a single parent for 11 years. And um, so I, I understand that and being alone and being desperate. So, so yeah, that's what brought me to where I am right now. And, and really, um, sometimes the best thing that we can say, the worst thing we can say is, I know how you feel, because you don't. The best thing that we can say is, I've walked down a similar road, and I'm going to walk with this with you. 
Right. So they feel like they could they could relate. Yeah. Now, also too though, when you when you found the Lord, it was a it was a little journey though, because you you've been actually doing a lot of ministry stuff even to get to this point where you're at now with this uh, with this pregnancy setup. Yeah. So um, so I got saved. Uh, when my son was three and, you know, grew in the Lord. And I was so thankful to have, I got saved at what was Calvary Chapel Escondido, which is Cross Connection. And I had some amazing teachers and amazing people who walked alongside me. And and as I grew and yeah, so then I, um, you know, I served in ministry. I sang on a worship team. And then my son ended up in, in middle school. And so I served in, in youth ministry. But I honestly, I didn't understand those kids because I didn't grow up in church. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, I loved them, but so my husband, we met you guys. And it was so crazy because there was like this, there's got to be more. It can't just be here. What about all the people who are not here? Mm-hmm. Who's ministering to them? And it was, my husband actually was a um, high school pastor um, at a t- for a time. And so then we met you guys and um, lowly. <laughs> oh, lowly. We love lowly. And, no, we do. And so um, she and I, and a group of us did a bunch of stuff. But then we were kind of, my husband and I were called to, we live in Escondido. And um, there's a lot going on in Escondido. There's yeah, a lot. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. So they call it Mescondido for a reason. Mm-hmm. So um, Now wait, it's, okay, we're, like there's Poway, is it Vista Escondido? Is that that whole kind of area? Yeah, so it's, uh, it's east of, um, west of Poway, east of Vista kind of the base of Valley Center. Um, yeah, so it's it's kind of inland from okay. Vista. And it's, you know, it's working class. Escondido, I see it right here. San Marcos, right? Yeah. Okay, and that whole little area, 78 and the 15 freeway. All right, yeah. Right below, I mean, it's a little ways down from Temecula, but it's off the 15 Yeah. down there. Okay, yeah. So there's a lot going on in Escondido. And like I said, you know, they call it meth Gandido for a reason. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, there's just a lot of hurting people, a lot of homelessness, a lot of drugs, a lot of everything. So my husband and I, there's like this corner. We called it the corner because I don't know what else to call it. And it was really after meeting you guys is just meeting people where they're at. So for three years, we would go out to this corner and just kind of stand. And, you know, this, <laughs> these kids and we saw everything out there. Um, like what? Give me a couple like stories. Like drugs and demon possession. And I mean, just so one night we were standing there and um, it was so crazy because you and I were talking about this before. So there was this kid. So we'd stand out there. Kids would kind of mad dog us, you know, and then they get closer and closer. And then they'd be like, hey, what's up? What are you here? Why are you here? And we're like, hey, we're just here if you guys want to talk. It was simple as this. Hey, what's your name? Where do you go to school? And it was emotional vomit. If we were like people of malintent we could have done a whole lot because nobody's hearing them right and so our end of the conversation would be like yeah uh-huh yeah i hear you yeah seriously we never brought up god and it always came to that so one night we're there this kid and uh, he we had gotten to know him because you know you don't hand somebody a track and walk away i'm relationship yes Time, relationship. Friday after Friday after Friday after Friday. So this one kid that we got to know, got to know his story, and he told us one day, yeah, I see um, demons in my house. And so over weeks, talking to him and and him telling us about that. So one night it just came to that, and I said, 
if I gave you a way out, would you take it? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> so explain the gospel. This is a kid who's never been in church. Explain the gospel. Ha- okay, to- tell me this. Had, has he ever heard the gospel before? No. Dude, that's common nowadays with kids. Yes. They've never heard it before. Yeah. Or they were in church and they're like, I ain't going back there. Yeah. So so he's never heard the gospel. So we, I start giving them, you know, the quick and dirty gospel and, and everything. And I, and so I'm like, this. so this Jesus, Yeah. he loves you exactly where you're at. He loves you right where you're at. Do you want, do you want to end this emptiness? And he's like, yeah prayed over him and he said afterwards he you know did the prayer and he looks at me he goes i felt like something just popped off of me holy spirit coming down and breaking breaking the strongholds huh so we oh my gosh so we were like and and you know you can't be like oh you know get out about it but so we're like yeah so sorry so we kind of mentored him for a while Uh and you know didn't see him. A couple of years later, we see him again, and we're like, "Hey, whatever happened with the demon? That demon thing?" He's like, "Oh man, I totally forgot about that. I haven't seen that since that night." No way. Well, yeah. Why, why am I saying no way? Yes. Yeah. That's what happens. Hey, you, you have uh, Leslie uh, Salazar Carrillo in studio from the. Uh, she's the executive director of the pregnancy agency down in uh, Center in Vista, California. Dude, that is so crazy. But this is this is how God works. Yeah. It's just being available, relationships, talking to the kids, praying for them, and then things happen. What are some other stories that happen down there? So, um, and you know, and I don't want to give people like it's always wonderful because it's sometimes it's not. Yeah, you know, but it's it's relationship after relationship. And so, we were down there, and uh, there was this big kid, and uh, you know, I kind of you know how wives do. I kind of pushed my husband like, go talk to him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, I don't feel good about it. And I'm like, no, I think you really need to talk to him. So we start talking to him and he's, we're, you know, going back and forth. And I could tell where that conversation, you know, you do that long enough, you know, whenever I'm in a bad spiritual, the hair on the back of my neck starts going up. And then all of a sudden he, so he's telling us, and then he starts kind of confronting us a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then he looks at me in the eye and he said, I'm a part of Illuminati and I'm here to kill Christians. So my, you know, you stay calm. And so my husband's talking to him. How old is this kid? He's looked like he was about 18, 19, mm-hmm. big guy. We, he was faded. We know he's armed because he had already showed us a, a knife. Uh-huh. We don't even know what else. So, you know, you just totally stay calm. So while my husband's talking to him, I'm just standing there, you know, trying to straight face, not doing anything, but I'm literally on my face. Mm-hmm. Just praying. praying. Yes. And then so Tom, Tom would stop talking and I'd start talking and, and you could see the struggle going. And what I didn't know is that while I'm talking, Tom's like on his face. Praying so as well. Who knows the battle that was going on around us? And so we're talking, but you could see the battle going on in him. And so come to find out, you know, his mom was sick and this and that and the other. So he was walking away. And I, I called his name and I said, hey, you know what, man? I think your mom's pretty proud of you. And you could see that it come down. All come down, yeah. And he softened for a minute. His whole face changed. And he's like, I really hope so. And then it, bam, mm-hmm. it went back up. So, you know, I'd love to tell you that every kid that we came in contact with, I mean, we heard, 
you know, little girls who had been violently raped by stepfathers and kids that their parents decided that they were going to pick, you know, drugs over them. Mm -hmm. And they're just in survival mode. And, you know, but again, the relationships, in fact, my husband is still friends with one of the kids. We met him out there. He was like 16, 17. He was inebriated when we met him. And he, over time, like a couple of years, he knew where we stood. We knew where he stood. But, and he lives up north in uh, Oregon now. Every time he comes to town, he calls my husband. Hey, let's get together. These are relationships because guess what? We're not God. Yep. God is God, and he's got a plan for this person. And so all we have to do is keep being there and being available for that. So all of that, you know, those then so then I started speaking in schools. Um, so we have a program. It's called the I'm Waiting program. It's STD education, teen pregnancy, and it gets us in the door. But we cover the emotional, physical, and relational aspects mm-hmm. of sexual activity because really, it's not the STD. Right. It's the value. It's it's that they're searching for somebody. Tell me I'm valuable. And by having sex, they feel valuable. They feel valuable. Yeah. The girls. And we're, well, even the guys. guys too? Oh, yeah, because mm-hmm. I've, we've had guys message us like, I, w- I don't want to do this, but I feel pressured. I f- they, you know, these girls, girls are brutal. I know. What am I saying? They're brutal. Yeah, yeah, it's just like guys. So this yeah. is what I, I used to tell the girls. Hey, you know what? These guys are trying to be good guys. I know they front and they're acting like this, but really they want to be good guys. Don't torment them. If they're if they're telling you that they don't. So wanna... wait, wait, you're just saying this in a, in a public school setting. Yes. So they just bring in all the kids into the yeah. gymnasium. Well, no, it's during the health classes. Oh, cool. So uh, so in the health classes, they have to cover um, human sexuality. Yep. And we do about 95 percent of that. It's and it's and I really like this. Um, this is how I'm wired, and and because we cannot say anything that has to do with faith. It's all medically accurate. Um, information straight from the CDC. But if you're speaking truth, you're preaching the gospel. Yep. That you have a purpose. You have value. And the decisions that you make are going to affect your future one way or the other. And then there's the simple biology of it, you know. And so we would go in with that. But really, it was the emotional relational because that's that's the heart of it. You're not going to... You're not going to change kids' minds with, you know, giving STD um, statistics because they think that they're immortal. and No one thinks they're going to catch it. Yeah. Well, yeah. and especially with them because they don't have any frontal lobe development. So they can't, you know, I always say, like, why is why does an 18-year-old make a great Marine? Because they don't see consequences because that part of their brain doesn't develop until they're 25, which is why we made really bad decisions when we were. That yeah. was the problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... You're not going to, they're like, eh, it's not going to happen to me. But when you talk about your, your value as a person, when you're talking about like, there's a chemical in your brain that bonds you to somebody every time you have sex with somebody. And when you go from person to person to person, you're actually tearing that bond and tearing that bond and tearing them. But those memories are never leaving your brain. And you're going to bring those memories into your next sexual encounter. That is very true. 
That is very true, a hundred percent. When you think about like people, you know, you've slept with in the past and all that, you, you, it's all these memories. Mm -hmm. it, it all makes sense. Yeah, and that's the kind of stuff that like <laughs> when you mess your life up like that, you're always trying to like get rid of that stuff. And you know what? The feedback that we get um, from that program is, um, and it's it's honestly, you know, you get the punk kids, which I love because mm -hmm. I was one of those. Um, I wanted, nobody ever told me that I could say no. Nobody ever told me that I had the right to say no. Like refusal skills are something these kids do not have and guys and girls. And so nobody told me that I had value. And, um, and that, so that's huge for them. So that's, so then I was doing that. Um, and then I don't know. Well, give me, give me some. We're we're going to go to break in about five minutes, but give me some statistics of what's going on with with these uh, these kids that are in high school, maybe even junior high, that are sexually like what, what's the average age of them like starting to have sex, pornography, uh, uh, pregnancy, maybe yeah, some some. So statistics. it's kind of crazy. Um, so the average age that um, if somebody starts having sex is about thirteen. 14. Now, what they consider sex and what I consider sex are two totally different things. They don't consider oral sex sex, but it is. Mm -hmm. So it's actually a little bit younger. Mm -hmm. So when we would speak in middle schools, about 30 to 40 percent of them are sexually active to some degree or another. 30 percent in middle school. Middle school. Mm -hmm. So so with the porn um, right now, the average age that a boy is exposed to porn is about seven and a half. I've heard eight. And yeah. that That's even... Gnarly or seven and a half, yeah. And it's wow. on their phone. It's usually accidental, but it starts like this lifetime. So now they're seeing erectile dysfunction in 20-something-year-olds because they're so addicted to porn. Wait, okay, so they're, they're not, when you say that, that means they're not able to have sex at all. Mm -mm. Now, is it because the they just can't get excited enough to do it because of the progression and how gnarly porn is? They look at just a normal girl yeah. or a girl that's naked, and that just doesn't do it. It doesn't do it because actually what porn does is it rewires your brain, mm -hmm. and um, you need that instant gratification. It's the same thing as when you um, do cocaine. It's the same it, The same parts of your brain lights up. Uh, so what's it called? It's the um, the, the, the chemical. that The dopamine. Up. Dopamine, yeah. yeah. So their brain has been completely in new pathways and they really without and it's such a self-centered type thing that they can't consider her emotions. The sad thing is, is this, the feedback that we get in the schools is um, because all these guys are, are addicted to porn and these girls think that that's who they need to be to satisfy. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because they, they think they have to be porn stars. Yeah. Which is not a reality. I have friends that are porn stars, and they said when they were in the thing, everyone's doing drugs, and it's just like a whole, it's just a, a bad situation. <laughs> so the thing is, is right now, so the statistics are one in four sexually active teens, ages 15 to 19, has an STD. Wait, from what? 15 to 19? Yeah, has an STD. Sexually, who are sexually active. One in six, ages 14 to 49, have herpes. Oh, you know, we're going to get into the rest of the statistics when we get back from bake. We're going to be going in two minutes. I want to plug a couple things. But before we do that, we have the executive director of the Pregnancy Resource Center in Vista, California, Leslie Salazar Carrillo, in studio. And we've been hearing some wild stuff so far, what's going on with the youth. 
and all these statistics. It's going to get more wild right after the break when we come back in a couple of minutes. But if you're familiar with the Whosoever's Movement, you've been watching the show for the past two years. Um, we are continuing to hit the public high schools. We are actually touring big time right now, getting uh, charged up for this next year. If you want to have us come to your high school, please contact us at thewhosoevers.com. And I'm also doing actually a speaking tour right now called the Wake Up Tour. Uh, it's from that verse in uh, John 4.35. It says, Jesus says, the har- uh, look up, uh, wake up and look around. The harvest is ripe. And what we're seeing as we're touring these public high schools These kids are getting saved, just like we were talking earlier in the show, that they haven't heard the gospel. They are open to the gospel message. When you tell them that Jesus loves them and he died on the cross for their sins, and he will fill that empty void and he will show them why they were created. These kids are like, sign me up. Double portions of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because this is the world we're living in. Social media, everything they're seeing. They're actually seeing new ways of sinning to do evil. Stuff that they didn't even know about. Just like when they watch pornography. They're like, I did not know you could do that. It's like taking them to next level pornography stuff as well as next level doing drugs, drinking, all these different ways of sinning. This is the world we're living in. But just remember this. Don't get distressed. These are the most exciting times in world history. The king is coming. Jesus is coming. And the gospel message of Jesus Christ can change someone in a moment. It changed, it changed uh, myself like nine years ago when I gave my life to the Lord. I had a Holy Spirit encounter. God delivered me from drugs and alcohol and transformed my life completely. The gospel message can change someone in a moment. We'll be back right after the break in two minutes. More live with Ryan Race coming up. Everything all right? Sure. Call now, 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, I think I speak for the entire administration when I say whoop-de-doo. Now, back to Live with Ryan Reese. Don't say what I warn you. We are back with Leslie Salazar Carrillo, the executive director of Pregnancy Resource Center in Vista, California. Get, put, give out the uh, the website really quick for your... Yeah, so um, for us, for our donor and find out who we are and what we believe, it's um, www.friendsofprcvista.com. And then you can find us on Facebook, uh, friendsofprcvista.com. We're going to be having our fund rate. So we're a nonprofit. We live and breathe by fundraising um, in October, we're having our big Invest in Life Gala. Um, and Mike Slater, who's a radio host down um, in San Diego, 760 AM, is going to be the keynote speaker. So it's one of our biggest events. It's it's honestly how we keep our doors open. Make sure you invite me. I will. That one is it? October 5th. All right. I think I'm in town, too. That would be amazing. I was going to actually bring my wife tonight. To come hang out because I'm like, you got to hear her. She's going to let it rip with the statistics and the stories. It's going to be epic. But my wife had to go to church tonight. <laughs> That's a good thing. Well, no, because I want to meet her because I, I knew you when marriage wasn't even on your horizon. I'm going to bring her. I'm going to bring we'll, okay. I'll bring her to. She loves She would love to go to something like that. And obviously, Loli, you know, we're all friends with Loli. I've had Loli on this show uh, probably like six, seven times. I know. Yeah, so it's it's all good in the hood. So let's let's get back to this show. I mean, we were talking about the statistics, which is shocking because we were talking about the average age of a kid getting introduced to pornography, and you said it's seven and a half years old. You're even saying guys are having 
uh, dysfunction with uh, erectile dysfunction at yeah. the age of what? In their early twenties. Early twenties, because the progression of pornography they're watching, they can if they look at a girl that's naked, it's just not it's not making it happen. And I've read this actually in mainstream magazines. Mm -hmm. Details magazine did a uh, an article on this, and a couple other. The main it's not even just the the church. Before it was the church, and they're like, no more porn, it's bad. Now the mainstream, even like I think Time Magazine even, even might have came out with something, but they literally have campaigns and programs you could join that's anti-porn because their life is, they, they, they don't even leave the house. Yeah. Because they don't even need to go out and find a girl to sleep with because they're using porn. And you're even saying now uh, that a lot of people uh, with this age group from what, 19 to 29 aren't even going out and getting girls pregnant because yeah they're so sexual activity in the 19 to 29 year old generation is actually down but their porn consumption is up and there's a lot of reasons for that too is that they're down so they're down because you and i were talking you know they've seen relationships in real time yeah explode um and you can watch that on reality tv <laughs> you can pick up your phone and see that on you know, Instagram, Instagram tonight. Snapchat. <laughs> but so they've seen all of that and they they are really educated on STD. So we were talking about that earlier, like teens um, think that they're immortal. You know, you get older and you realize like, you know, that could radically change my life. And yeah. so uh, so and then it kind of feeds into that self-centered. I'm my own God type thing. I'll just take care of me and I don't have to deal with anybody else and then i'm i'm good and what they don't realize and this is how i kind of approach it with teens because everybody's about social justice which i think is great so i'll tell them because they'll say what's wrong with porn it is the leading driver of human trafficking porn is the leading driver of human trafficking because people want to act out what they're watching yeah so then they get a human traffic victim or well and and i'll and you know this because you know people who have been in that industry mm -hmm. they were usually trafficked to begin mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. And so when you give That's them crazy. that, then they they really think about that. But in, like you and I were talking during the break, so teens generally don't abort unless somebody's forcing them to. Um, but the 19 to 29-year-old, their abortion rate is about 57%. Um, and um, so the human heart starts beating 21 days after conception. A woman generally finds out she's pregnant 30 to 35 days after conception. Um, and 90% of abortions happen between 10 and 13 weeks. So two months. Yeah. So those numbers are going down too. And it's because more people are addicted and girls, women are being addicted to porn too, or getting addicted to porn too. Yeah. What, what's, what's the ratio from, from guys to girls? Cause before it used to be like, Oh, the guys, the guys, but now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's still is it equal. Like no, 50 /50? no, it's still majority guy driven because you guys are visual. That's how you guys were created. This is true. But, you know, honestly, women have been burned um, and they don't they don't want. And a lot of times we're conditioned um, to think I don't want a relationship. So I'm just going to turn to porn because mm -hmm. then I don't have to. And it feeds into that. You know, we're so um, connected to our phones. We're so connected to our own little virtual world that I think that we're losing the ability to do what you and I are doing right now, looking somebody in the eye and communicate eye to eye. Mm -hmm. That's really not – that's why I was saying when we used to be out on the corner, you could see that because you ask a kid, hey, what's your name? 
where you go, you know, where you go to school. And it was like emotional vomit because nobody talks to each other. We see that in the counseling room too. You know, uh, they walk in the door and we're making eye contact with them because we're created to have human interaction. Right. We're not created to be looking at a screen all day and having like this monologue going on. Um, so it's, it's just kind of a weird dynamic that um, even though – and people will celebrate, yes, STDs are down because sexual activity is down, but porn consumption is up. Yeah, it's, it looks good, but it's really not a good situation with the pornography. Yeah, and you're, and you're talking about a lifetime. Now, the good news is, especially for guys, because they mostly study this with guys because you guys have such high – not you, but you have – guys have such high uh, porn consumption rates because the the pathways in your brain actually change when you view porn. Um, yeah, t- tell me some little bit of information about all that. Yeah, stuff. so what it does is it re- kind of rewires your brain to want that instant gratification, that instantaneous um, need fulfilled. And so it, it's rewiring your brain and how you're looking at things. But six months, and porn addiction is just as hard to get off of as um, any other kind of drug addiction. You know, honestly, uh, obviously, you know, I I was I was sleeping around a lot, and I would watch you know some porn here and there. But then when I became a Christian, I stopped sleeping around because I didn't want to go to girl mm-hmm. pregnant. I'm like, oh no, God! If I get if I sleep with a girl, I'm gonna get her pregnant, or I'm gonna catch something, you know. Um, so I started watching porn. Yeah, and that was pretty pretty gnarly to quit because it's it's when you do drugs. You know you're going to go high, but then you're going to come down. Mm-hmm. Just like you go get drunk, you're going to wake up the next day, and you're going to you know, feel all hungover. So, but porn and sex is one of those things that you don't really have a hangover mm-hmm. at all, mm-hmm. you know? And you can do it a lot. Mm-hmm. And basically, when I, when I wanted to quit, that was something that I needed to power God to quit. Because that my point is that was one of the hardest things to yeah. quit. But God did help me and he did heal me. It's been, I think I quit six months after I started walking with the Lord and it's been like nine years since. But as I talk to people in the church, because I counsel people yeah. in the church and out of the church, but the more more people I talk to in the church, it's about porn. Mm-hmm. And dude, these guys cannot quit. That's the thing that just like, the guys cannot quit. I think it literally is the hardest thing to quit. Yeah, especially for a guy, because again, you guys are visual. That's that. That is the the main thing in the church. Yeah. Oh Porn. yeah. I hear it all the time. I hear it, and and it's and it's just heartbreaking. But the good news is, and and you would could testify this now, even though you didn't know it was happening. Six months after a guy stops viewing porn, his brain actually heals over on those and creates new pathways. No and, way. And I actually, didn't know that. Yeah. It actually heals those other ones and it creates new ones. And so, but it is that six months. Is the hardest thing. So it's the emotional STD that mm-hmm. nobody talks about. So six months is basically yeah. like the. That's kind of like the uh, the window, like the yeah. um, what it's called, withdrawals. I yeah. guess. So if they could get past that, yeah, I didn't know that. That's yeah. interesting. But yeah, and you know, guys, and and Ryan, you could speak because you're a guy. You know, ha- be accountable. It's yes. Be accountable. Be come to your brother and say, I am really struggling, and. I just think that, like you were talking about earlier, we want people clean when they come to church. And that's not who Jesus is. And this is being in the pro-life movement. And, uh, you know, this is something that we deal with, too, especially with post-abortion healing. You know, 
I think we've kind of conditioned people to think, to sit and think, that was the worst sin. Because we only talk about it in specific times. Mm. And we talk about the brutality of it. Yes, it is. But we never talk to that person that's sitting there and saying, that sin, just like every other sin, was forgiven at the cross. And the victory of that empty tomb, that's where you walk. And it's the same with porn, because guys don't want to come out and say, because they're saying, this is the worst sin that there is. Mm -hmm. And, And Satan has a stronghold on them, like you can't ever, or it's the flip side, this is the victimless sin. But it's not, because again, you're bonding with that image. Your brain is releasing oxytocin, and you're bonding with that image that isn't even real. Because Jesus said, if you even look at a woman, it's with, with you know lust, uh-huh. and you're committing, you know, yeah, you're, having, you're basically having sex with. Yeah, them. exactly. Because because the God of the universe knew how we're created, yep. and He knew what your brain was going to do. It wasn't that, you know. Don't you looking at this woman, you're looking at this woman with lustful thoughts because that memory is being implanted in your brain. It's a hard drive. You remember it. I can remember porn that I watched. I can remember the first porn I watched when I was like in fourth grade. <clears throat> like it's right there in the hard drive. Yeah. Top top shelf. Yep. I can just pull it up. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a memory bank, and people don't understand that. And then what happens is they try walking with God or they walk with God, then they get married, and then now they're sleep now they're with their wife. And then they have this hard drive full of, of porn. So and the anybody, more, yeah. anybody who's walked down that road understands that those memories will pop up at inopportune moments. Because mm-hmm. who wins in that? You know, what did God create sex for? You know, and, and it's beautiful. And that's something that we talk about in the schools, too. A desire for sex is healthy. And yes. that's natural. We're created to be alive is to be a sexual being. Yes. There's nothing wrong with desiring sex. I used to tell the kids all the time, look, if you at your age see somebody walking by and you're like, dang, how does that even happen? And you know for sure that if their cl- class is at one end of the campus and your class is at the other end, you are for sure going to walk by their class every single day. That never goes away. There's nothing wrong with that. Yes. But... You take something out of how it was intended, and there's going to be nothing but consequences, you know. And so God in his infinite wisdom knew that, and that's why he was saying that, because because what will pull a man and a woman, a, a man and a wife, away from each other the most? Not having that, that bond, that intimate relationship, because that's how you connect. Mm-hmm. You connect on so many different levels, but that's really where you connect emotionally, physically, and relationally. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not, if a man and a woman are not connecting like that, who wins? Yeah. And you're watching porn and you're not connecting. It's a whole. And now she's feeling betrayed because women have no problem feeling insecure. I hear that story all the time. Yeah. That the husband is watching porn and that's that. So, you know, and, and I and I hope that anybody that's listening is not saying, oh, man, they're bashing on me and they don't understand. No. A sin is a sin is a sin, and you've got two sinners sitting in here right now. Yeah, I want to actually say something. Listen, you could come out of it. I was in. I was deep in it too. I just had to surrender and say, God, help me to get through this. And literally, as I, uh, as I would 
my mind would go there, I'd be like, no, I'm not going to do it. And I would have to like die to myself. Jesus says, if you want to be my disciples, you got to turn from your selfish ways, pick up your cross and follow me. You literally got to pick up your cross and follow Jesus and turn from your body appetites. And God will deliver you from that. I mean, he can do it very easily. It's going to, it's going to be a struggle, but you, you'll get through it. I've done it and I'm dude. And I'm going to tell you right now, I could be going through social media and random stuff pops up. You could be on YouTube and random stuff pops up. Because you, you get a rabbit trail and all of a sudden you see this image and then my mind would go, my mind goes back to going, yeah. yeah, go watch porn. That happens all the time if I randomly come up on stuff. But then I have a choice to make. You reap what you sow, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm going to reap the things of the Spirit. I'm going to sow the things of the Spirit. So I'm going to go after Jesus. And I decide not to go there. But what happens is so many people just, they don't resist the devil. What's that one verse that says, resist the devil and he will flee? Yeah. Now, when you think about resist, resist is like if I jumped over, and I'm not going to do this, if I jumped over and I grabbed you and I tried choking you and to kill you, you, what would you do? You would try to resist me. Mm-hmm. And what does resisting mean? That means you're going to do everything in your power, as long as you have life in you, to keep me from killing you. That's what resist means. Now, let's think about ourselves. Do we really resist the devil? Now you're on your computer, you're on your flip phone, you're, or your flip phone, you're flipping through your phone, and an image comes up. Do you resist the devil, or do you just click on yeah. it? Yeah. People are not resisting the devil. Well, and I think, too, and anybody who's listening who knows me is like, oh, dang, Ryan, don't try it, because she's one mean Mexican woman. <laughs> 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 She'll first start throwing shoes at you. But um, the thing is, is that, too, um, and, and please— we're not passing moral judgment, mm-hmm. but you got to walk in that victory of that empty tomb. Mm-hmm. You've got to every day walk in that victory because when and it's easy to resist them because you're walking in victory. He was victorious for you. You didn't have anything to do with it. And when you're walking in somebody else's victory, then of course, you know, you're like dying to yourself because it was his blood and it was his power, none of yours. And when you get to that place of humility, like, I have no power without you. I can't resist the devil without you. Yep. But I every day have to wake up and say, I'm going to walk in that victory that you had. That that blood on that cross and that victory of that empty tomb, that's where I'm going to sit. Are you going to fail? Yeah. And there's tons of grace. Yes. We There is grace, grace. And Grace, and I I'm just want to say, like, I, I'm telling you guys because I've done it. And it's through the blood that was shed on the cross. Mm-hmm. It's possible. This is why I'm so stern on it because so many people think, how do you do it? How can you do it? It's possible. If I did it, anyone can do it. And it's through the power of Jesus Christ. Like you said, it's through the tomb and there is grace. You are going to mess up. You will mess up. And guess what? The grace is going to be there. And you go, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Boom, you're washed white as snow. And you keep pressing on. You keep pressing forward. You keep pressing forward. We're, pi- we're pilgrims here on earth. You're going to, the Satan's going to show up. You got to resist the devil and he will flee. And if you make a mistake, you're going to be forgiven and you keep moving forward. But if you keep, if <laughs> the way I look at it is like, if you call yourself a Christian and you're, say you say, I've been a Christian for a year. Or say you've been a Christian for six months. If you're the same person you were six months ago when you gave your life to the Lord or the same person you're still with the same stuff still and there's no transformation, well, then you're not 
you haven't really had a, like a God encounter. Mm-hmm. You said the prayer, but you haven't really been filled with the Holy Spirit because when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, your life transforms. And you're a different person every day. When you're pressing, you know. Mm-hmm. When you're pressing into God and you're reading and you're praying, saying, God, let's do this, and you're following him, every single day you're you're drawing closer to God. And you'll make mistakes, but yeah, but your heart's for God. But if there's no transformation, then are you like are you walking with God, really? Well, and it's so funny that you bring that up because I was thinking because I'm reading in Second Kings, um, and when um during at the end of Hezekiah's reign. And it's a, you know, God always talks about the remnant, which I just love. And because you work with youth and mm-hmm. I work with youth and they're the remnant, you know, mm-hmm. God's going to raise them up. Yes. But in it, when it says to sink your roots deep and out of that um, fruit comes out, of, good fruit goes, comes out of that. And I was think sink your roots deep in the rock and out of that, out of that abundance, fruit will come out of that. All your job is, is to sink your roots deep. And like you said, press in, get to know him, get to know his character, you know, that who he is, because when you're pressing into the God of the universe who left his kingdom and walked among sinners and went to the cross, the sinless one went to the cross and then by his, that restrained power overcame death when you press into that it it just sin is something that you're always going to have to deal with always but I, I remember hearing somebody say the closer you walk with God the more disgusting your sin looks to you and it, and it's it tr- it's so true and it but don't true. buy into that lie we see it in the center all the time recently we had a girl come in and um you know mom tried to sell her on the streets of TJ for drugs. Mom used to take her to drug houses and let men touch her for free drugs. That was her reality. She made choices based on where she came from. And she came into the center one day and she needed a pregnancy test and she's telling me this and she's just bawling. And she said, I feel so far from God. And I said, well, I'm going to tell you that God's never been far from you. Don't believe the lie of that enemy because your daddy who loves you your king when the enemy starts saying oh you've done this and done that and he's given it to you in full living color because he does you spit it right back to him and say but my king his blood has washed me clean that's what you say and she just nobody had ever said this to her so i i think the point of this is like she her need wasn't a pregnancy test her need was somebody to come alongside and say I understand you, mm-hmm. and let me tell you what God thinks of you. So as we're talking about this porn and sexual addiction and sin and everything, don't let the enemy pour into you that you're hopeless. You've got no hope. You, you know, it's, you're done for because God is pressing into you, and all you have to do is turn to him, and he is right there. And so when – because – and I know this happens to you, happens to me every time I get on a stage or every time I'm going to – do something the enemy in full living color will show me what i did and all and and you know what it's truth he that's the only time he doesn't lie but you just spit it right back at him and say yeah i did that yeah that's who i was but by the blood of my king i'm washed free and i'm going to walk in victory of that empty tomb because that's how he gets us and this is how guys in the church 
are sitting in brokenness, addicted to porn, and afraid to say anything to anybody. That's why women are sitting in church who have had abortions in their past, and they're sitting there and they're saying, I can't, this was the worst sin. Mm-hmm. And all of it is a lie. It is a lie. Because Jesus is, that's why he came to die for the forgiveness of sins for us sinners, that any sin we commit, anything. You know what I love? I love that verse in James 4, 8. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near yeah. to you. So wherever you're at, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Basically talk to him. Pray. People go, how do you pray? You just talk to him. Yeah. God, I'm dealing with this. Please come in. Forgive me for my sins and reveal yourself to me. Yeah. And get a Bible. Find a Bible that you could read, a, a translation. I didn't like the King James because it's, I just don't, I, I have a poor reading level. So I got the New Living Translation. Yeah. Get just, read a different translation. Read the different ones until you find out which one you want. And I mean, there's, there's tons of them. And just start reading it. Start in the New Testament. See who Jesus is. Read even the Gospel of John. And let Jesus reveal himself to you. He will forgive you of every sin that you've ever done. And not only that, this is the best decision that you could ever make in your life. Your name, when you give your life to God, he writes your name in the book of life. He will start washing you, cleaning you, changing your heart, changing your mind, showing you the reason why you're created. He'll start opening doors that you need to go through with jobs and schools and even your soulmate. I mean, the one that he created for you. I mean, it's it's the most exciting Life you'll ever live, will tri- tribulation come? Well, is life tough sometimes? Yeah, it is life. But this is once you enter into a walk with God, you'll know you'll you'll know that this is this is it. I would never go back to the life. I, I left nothing behind but yeah. chaos. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So I just want to thank you. Thanks for coming on. Why don't you plug uh, your your. Uh, your business and the website and all that good stuff. Yeah. So if anybody's listening and, and uh, so we're the Pregnancy Resource Center in Vista. We, um, we're a complete nonprofit. We do free pregnancy testing. We do free ultrasounds. Uh, we have parenting classes. All our services are free. Um, everything's confidential. So if you're sitting out there and you're in North San Diego County and you're like, I just need to go somewhere. I need to talk to somebody. Give us a call at 760 760- Nine four five four six seven three, and we're not going to judge you. We're not going to say, Psh, "How'd you get here?" We're going to say, "How can we help you? How can we? How can we lighten this burden off of you just a little bit?" Um, and as in, if anybody wants to support us, which we would absolutely love, um, you can uh, go at www.friendsofprcvista.com or find us on Facebook at friendsofvista.com, and yeah. Well, thank you very much for being on the show and all of you guys that follow the Whosoever's Movement. Keep us in prayer. We are hitting high schools. Mm-hmm. And I want you to get us into high schools in your area. Yeah. We want to come down there. Yeah. Um, get involved. Go to the whosoever's.com. See what we're doing. We're reaching these kids. So hopefully they won't end up in your center or in rehab or in jail. Yeah. That's that's the point is to reach them there. But if not, thank God we got a system like you guys to be there to meet the ones that, that we didn't catch. We all work as a team together. That's just how it uh, it happens. And actually up next, um, you're going to be hearing a, uh, a Bible study from my Shine Bible study that will be on the air right after the show. So enjoy. And if you want to get any of those extra Shine studies or any of these past shows, you can go to my website at ryan-reese.com to catch up on any of, that, uh, any of those old past shows. 
We love you guys, and I will talk to you guys next week. This has been Live with Ryan Reese. To connect or find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for Live with Ryan Reese.